0: Start somewhere and, and then just build, build from there, but be consistent. And I think that is the secret to having fun, you know, making a, like, you know, improving long-term.
1: That was Frank Overton. This is Marnie Salah. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with Frank Overton, founder of Fast Cat Coaching. Fast Cat Coaching, based in the endurance sports capital of the world, Boulder, Colorado, caters to cyclists and triathletes and offers athletes expert coaching and data-driven guidance to help them achieve their cycling and multi-sport ambitions. They offer training plans and one-on-one coaching, all with their own app and data called Optimize. The FastCat team is comprised of highly trained coaches who have raced at the professional level and pride themselves on high levels of communication and data-driven analysis. During our conversation, Frank and I talk about where it all began and his start in cycling, the origins of power-based training, and how he popularized and pioneered this method. He also dials me in to another program he pioneered, which I'm sure you all know if you're on Swift or any training program called Sweet Spot Training and the benefits of training this way. We definitely do a deep dive into cycling and he shares his own personal races that he has lined up for 2024. Frank has guided a wide variety of athletes from teams like the US National Team the Priority Health Pro Team, and the University of Colorado Cycling Team, to scores of individuals from professionals to amateurs. Frank has also contributed to the creation of the Performance Management Chart, now used by Peaks, Strava, and other popular coaching platforms. During our conversation, Frank also sheds light on his 2024 Optimize Collective nine athletes who saw impressive results in 2023 and who have their sights set on ambitious goals for 2024. To help these athletes train for their goals, all nine will have full access to FastCat's coaching services, including Optimize, the groundbreaking system that provides athletes with a complete view of their readiness to train. The athletes in the program are Kylie Spearing, who took third place at Gravel Worlds. Ethan Overson, winner of the UCI Highlands Classic Gravel Race. Marissa Boas, Unbound Gravel 100 winner. Kristen Haikaila, 10th at Gravel Worlds. Sierra Sims, 6th at BWR North Carolina. Gavin Halati, 2nd at USA Cycling's U23 Crit National Championships. Logan Jones-Wilkins, a GCN writer who finished 19th at Unbound. Ava Cherry, Enduro National Champion, who is also studying aerospace engineering between events. And finally, up-and-comer Phil Gammon, who defended a lot of Strava segments this year. You can stay connected to all of the athletes and their progress and their journey through Fast Cat's Instagram and podcasts. In addition to coaching, Frank is also a former molecular biotech researcher and holds a U.S. patent for discovering a gene in proprietary algae to produce nutritional supplements. If you are curious about cycling or an avid rider, this combo is for you. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to wherever you get your podcast on Apple. Click on the five stars and click on leave a review. You can also leave five stars on Spotify and feel free to share this conversation with your friends on your social channel. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. This conversation will be on YouTube as well. All right, now on to my conversation with Frank. Fast Cat Coaching has been around now for over two decades. You are a legend in the world of cycling. Take me back, where to begin? And also, tell me about FastCat Coaching.
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Marnie. It's, uh, it's great to be on the other side of the mic. And, you know, 20 years ago, uh, I was working in biotech. I moved to Boulder, Colorado uh, for bikes and biotech. I wanted to be a professional mountain biker, and I was also a, a, a researcher. I'd spent time uh, working at a um, medical school, um, sp- working on spinal cord injuries. And when I saw that they had jobs in biotech out in Boulder, Colorado, I was like, well, that's where I want to go after graduate school. So so packed up my, my truck, drove out to, to Colorado, got a job in uh, biotech, was on a mission to cure cancer. And... Uh, you know, I if that company hadn't run into trouble after 9/11 and ran out of money, I might still be there working on on cancer and uh, you know, curing cancer. I got a patent out of that, uh, but I did get laid off, uh, and that was like it was January 2nd, 2002. I was like, "Okay, well this is fine because I really want to train full-time anyway. Um, I was racing some professionally. And I was really close. All the guys that were beating me were training full time because they were um, professionals. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I did. And along the way, I, you know, I decided to start coaching. Um, I had had to coach myself uh, and I wanted to help people, I wanted to use science and data to help people. So that's what I set out to do. And of course, it's not easy. And I spent the whole year trying to figure out how to coach and Along the way, I was like, okay, if I can coach 10 athletes at $100 each, that's $1,000 a month. I can sleep on this couch and train and race full time. And that was the plan for a while. And, of course, that didn't really work out. And I didn't make ends meet. And so, you know, went out and took another biotech job. But I didn't stop trying to to be a coach. And along the way, I wrote a training tip um, for a website called Pez Cycling News. Uh, You may have heard of them. I think they're still around. But I wrote a training tip uh, the right way and the wrong way to uh, perform intervals with an SRM power meter. And I discovered the value of content marketing. And lo and behold, someone read that article and they hired me as their coach. So um, I wrote another article the next month and I became like a guest coach. And um, that's how we started off with content. And along the way with coaching, you know, uh, I, no one knew who I was. I wasn't famous or well-known. I figured the way to distinguish myself is to figure out this power-based training. It was brand new back then. No one, including myself, didn't really understand uh, what to do with all the data. So I went, I spent that whole year figuring it out. And then I became the guy that athletes would send their data to and say, can you coach me? Can you help me unlock all the knowledge and potential that I have from my power meter. And that's, that's what I did. And, and so I wrote a lot of training tips on power-based training. Uh, and then in 2005, using some of the the techniques that we were developing for power-based training that are now used in modern day software platforms like training peaks and right. Strava and, and stuff. I uh, came up with this uh, sweet spot training and uh, re- introduced it to the world. And I think since then, sweet spot training has been adopted by, you know, thousands and thousands of athletes and coaches, which is awesome. I'm, I'm, I've always been an academic and I've always been happy to share knowledge. And that's, that's one of our missions to this day.
1: And so how, like, talk to me about power, because I mean, it's kind of ingrained in me at this point of my, mm-hmm. my life as a triathlete cycling, but so many people, like when I, when I'm out riding, like some people still don't have like pedals like power on their bike. And I'm just amazed Mm. that people don't use it for training. And Mm. actually there was like an entire year during the pandemic where I wasn't really paying attention and I wasn't using it either. (laughs) It was like my battery died or something and I was just going by heart rate. But like at the end of the day, if you talk to me about how it works and like why it's such a game changer for athletes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, like 22 years ago, Power was real. It wasn't widely adopted, and you know we were hearing stories of guys like Greg Lemond, and uh, you know all these pros using these SRM power meters made by this guy in Germany, and you know they were unlocking all this like secret training, and so we we sought to to figure it out. And so what power is for the everyday athlete is I equate it so what power, what horsepower is to a sports car is right. what power <clears throat> is to a cyclist. And, you know, I mean, a Ferrari has however many horsepower and then the, the best world tour athletes and, and triathletes have really high power outputs. And so it's, it's just, uh, it's force times speed on, on the pedals. And it's quite scientific, it, it's, there's real data. And so these devices, these power meters, uh, record the, the data and we collect the data on our bicycle computer that right. are mounted on the handlebar. You know, way back when, nothing was wireless. It, it yeah. all required a wire. You had to include a wire from either the hub or the crank Until up. Until Chip further.
1: came in from Wahoo.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, he like, Wahoo revolutionized everything yeah. and made it all, you know, <clears throat> it was A plus at first. Now everything's mostly Bluetooth. Yeah. Um, we take it for granted. Now, and you can also upload the data um, through your mobile phone, right. which before that you had to like take your bike computer off the handlebar and plug it into your computer and download it and yep. drag and drop and, and send it places. But now that's, that's all been like streamlined. It's quite amazing. And, uh, but yeah, so we look at the data on our computers and there's, there's metrics and there's analysis tools that help coaches and, and athletes in sports science really figure out their training. And I think, for your listeners one of the the most fundamental things from power based training is to understand your training zones and in order to understand your training zones you need to know your threshold power oftentimes called ftp uh, functional functional power what you can hold maximally for for 60 minutes and there's a lot of ways to, to test for it but once you have your training zones then it's like awesome for us as coaches You can tell athletes to pedal harder or easier, and then we can achieve certain physiological adaptations we know from prescribing intervals or training in those specific zones, and that gives coaches like me the ability to tell athletes exactly what to do in order to reach their goals, and that's what we put in training plans and training calendars and workouts and that really kind of created the uh, the coaching industry. Yeah. The, there weren't that many coaches when I got started, and now there's there's a lot. It's like a real, it's almost like a real career.
1: And also, when you think about power, it's how everyone at Peloton trains, right? Like Matt Wilpers and Christine Dercoli, mm-hmm. and they've been on the podcast before. And, you know, for people who are, triathletes and cyclists listening they're probably like rolling their eyes cuz they know all about power especially mm-hmm. the triathlete listeners but for yep. my fitness listeners like this is where it comes from this is where peloton got it from this is like what everybody talks about when you do a a power zone ride or you know you're using power so i mean and and i find it to be you know as amazing as it is it's like also like it shows you what you're made of like when you train by it right
0: Mm -hmm. and it's hard it's specific it works that's the thing it just flat out works and one of the things that we do as coaches and you can do on your peloton you can do tests and those help you understand if you're improving i mean that's why we're doing this is obviously we want to have more fun and you know under you know enjoy the the joy of cycling but we also want to know if we're improving and that's the best thing about power it's like a you're It literally says you were this many watts four months ago and now you're this much more watts now. And that's real measurable scientific proof that your training is working and you've gotten better.
1: And now do you primarily fast cat coaching? I see that you have a triathlon component and cycling, but do you ever work with just runners or?
0: We do not have any run coaches. We have a role. Uh, You have to have competed in the event for which the athlete is competing in in order to to coach them we just haven't um morphed into the running uh sphere yet so we're mostly cycling gravel fondo tom trail criteria mountain bike you know anything cycling and we we do coach a a small bit of of triathletes and they're they're mostly the the athletes that want to improve their their bike right that would um, be me
1: i mean that's just something that you know i'm on zwift Indoors, I was, you know, I used other programs back in the day, but I do like the gamification of my rides, even if I'm doing multiple other things. I just like having the the program from wherever it comes from in my. I know that you guys also sync with Training Peaks and work with Mm -hmm. all the trainers. I like having that, and I do FTP tests all the time. And it's like that time of year now where I'm about to get into it, so.
0: Zwift is amazing, uh Peloton is amazing. They're all amazing because the technology has come so far and it's enabling more and more people to get into the sport and do what they want. And and then we as coaches and technologists get to get to help more and more people.
1: And you so you started with the coaching and you have how many coaches do you have now at Passcat coaching?
0: We have eight coaches, uh, probably half in Colorado. We have Um, one in France, we have one in Indiana and Alabama and California. So we were, when, when COVID happened and everyone, you know, was freaking out about remote work, we have, we've been remote ever since the get-go and, uh, the beauty of training with power, it enables us to do it. We did have a, we had a performance center from 2010 to 2015, like a brick and mortar. We had like exercise physiology lab and a bike fit. And we had an indoor cycling studio before Zwift came along.
1: Yeah. And uh, there was one in New York also. Yeah. Earl. Yeah. Remember Yeah, back in the day?
0: Yes. Yes. We realized, hey, we're coaching, you know, Joe in Texas, the same way we're coaching Bob who lives down the street, just because you can see everything that the athlete does from their power data, not just power, heart rate, speed, cadence, and GPS, mapping and and so we look at that when we analyze their data when we coach athletes all over the world uh and it doesn't matter if you're local regional or global once you uh share that data uh, we we see everything and of course it's great to you know do bike rides and group rides with the athletes you coach we see them at events that that we go to but really that's the, the other benefit of all this this data enables this global remote um coaching.
1: You mentioned like training indoors. And I know that you, you know, when you say that you have, you know, cycling coaches and coaching plans and one-on-one coaching, you know, there's so many different kinds of cycling these days from, yep. you know, went from MTB to road to gravel, is there a difference in the training or is it only different when it comes to being sports specific?
0: Yes and no. And I think that's a great question. And here's, here's why. Fundamentally, most of what we're talking about is an endurance sport. And so the physiology to build endurance is very, very similar, uh, whether you're doing, you know, a criterium or a long gravel race, or if you're a, a multi-sport athlete doing an Ironman or even a, a sprint, sprint triathlon. There's even a lot of similarities with run training. It's an endurance sport. So endurance physiology, we're all human beings it's very, very similar where it begins to differ is when you get into the specificity. And we, so a lot of athletes train the same way in the off season when it's just general endurance training. And then when you get closer to the event or your season, that's when you begin to get specific and, you know, gravel riders, they need to get good at doing long rides, criteria racers. They need to get good at like sprinting and anaerobic power. And, all sorts of of ways to specialize your training. So, um fundamentally similar, but once you get into the specialty specialty phases of training, it can be quite quite different.
1: Right, because you need to get out into the elements. And the the sort of like mm-hmm. reasoning, my reasoning behind this question is that, you know, I am in New York City and so I do a lot mm-hmm. of road cycling and I do, mm-hmm. you know, endurance But I don't have access to a lot of gravel, but I've been thinking, I say this every year, so I'm starting to say it again. It's that time of year where I start to decide on what races I want to do, but I would love to do gravel. I've tried it once. Like I went up in Connecticut on a gravel trail with um, someone from Cannondale. It was very nice to take me on a ride. I was definitely out of my element, especially when I was surprised by some single track stuff that I did not know was part of gravel. Uh, but you know, so it's, you know, I think, you know, as somebody who's been training and doing triathlon for a long time, I think like training the terrain can be important at a certain point.
0: Very important. And then, then it, then there's the distinction when, of just like training, 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 and then like how you ride, like the skill base portion of your training. And the thing that I say about gravel uh, we want all the people to, to come over and do it. Gravel is very similar to road cycling, just on a different surface because you ride in a path and it's a long distance and there's hills and it just happens to be on gravel. And the thing about new gravel um, athletes, we like to say, hey, it's not that bad. But if you get out there on gravel, it's really going to help your familiarity and to, to lessen that overwhelming Feeling and so we'll tell athletes like, "Hey, go out ride on gravel. Go, go into the woods, find some single track, take that, and on it. and And that's part of your your training, like that skill based portion of it. But by and large, um, the endurance training for gravel is very similar to totally. road cycling. Yeah, I
1: know that you also offer like a lot of training tips and advice. You know, you mentioned that you discovered about you know content an early point of your career and how it really benefited everything else that you were doing. So it looks like you have like a robust amount of content on your website. So did you start with the blog and then move into YouTube and video?
0: Yeah, so uh you know, 2002, 2003. I'm a date myself here on purpose. We had a Dreamweaver website.
1: Oh my god, I remember Dreamweaver.
0: Yeah. I just dated yeah, myself yeah. too.
1: It's all good. It was
0: it was very difficult to use, but that's where I wrote the first training tips. And uh, amazingly, I also wrote it. So I wrote the 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 right way and the wrong way to perform intervals with your SRM power meter. Got it published with on a major news publication. And that was how I, uh, athletes found me to hire me. And we also wrote a training tip, uh, homemade cliff bars. And this is where I discovered search engine. Uh, oh my God. And I guess people on the internet were searching homemade cliff bars and they would find us. And I, all these like, not, not even cyclists were emailing us about our recipe because we put the recipe on the, the website. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. So we developed like a content, I developed a content strategy because I wanted to be, I wanted to work full-time as a coach. I didn't want to be a tech researcher right, anymore. Right. I just knew that it was way more fun to coach people than to pipette DNA. And so I wrote a a tip a month at the time. I was like, wow, this is so hard. And now we write like two tips a week. And uh, um, so it's come that far. So we were really big into blogs and writing blogs to help people learn about power-based training and just learn about training in general. And that's, that's our mission today is to share our knowledge. And when we share our knowledge, um, yeah, it, you know people find us and that was way better than taking out an advertisement. Yeah. If you just people uh that that's way m- way more authentic. So, I wrote training tips uh all the way up until 2018 exclusively. I mean, there's like social media and stuff, right. but that's not the same. I mean, you would just post your your training tip on social media.
1: Right. It's so different now though.
0: In 2018, um someone suggested we do a podcast and I was like, "Okay, and um, for all the people that are thinking about podcasts out yeah. there, maybe your listeners, just turn on the mic and start recording. I reached out to a young man that I had coached that was on the CU cycling team, and he had been doing some podcasting, so he knew how to do it, and I didn't. We just started talking about bike training and cycling, and, you know, after about four episodes, people were riding in, and so we decided, we were like, let's do one episode a week, and... We've been doing one episode a week ever since, so.
1: When I, I started at the end of 2018.
0: Right around the same time. For
1: me, it started out as just like a hobby too. And it was just super a way for me to kind of like interview people, talk to people. And I was doing it really in person and I was definitely very particular. So
0: I find the production enormously hard. Yeah. Talking is not hard. Oh no, talking it, is not hard. You gotta, content calendars and outlines, that's, that's challenging. Yeah. I think what we learned from podcasting yeah. is wow a lot more people like to listen ben than they do read. read and it kind of dawned on me i'm like well yeah you can you can listen to a podcast on your way to work in the car or on the train or while you're bike riding or you know all this and so, so we really leaned into our podcast and i think maybe like a year later we um you know started our youtube channel honestly youtube has been even more challenging than podcast for us the production and figuring out all the, all the stuff. It, it yeah. takes so much more time. That's kind of like what we have planned for 2024 is to dive forward.
1: A lot of my listeners were asking me to, and this started during the pandemic, like they wanted to watch the conversations and I was already recording them on Zoom at the time. Mm-hmm. And I really like, it does take a lot to edit a podcast. And I, as somebody who's like a little bit of a perfectionist, like, you know, I spent significant amount of time like working on it engineering audio all that so Mm -hmm. with that said like the idea of putting up youtube videos just crushed my soul and yeah like i just i started like if a conversation was easy then i would just like put it up you know and maybe put in like I, i discovered some you know premiere pro was a beast to learn You know, and I I discovered some other easier apps and tools somehow along the way. And I managed of the 325 conversations to get like maybe 60 up, which I thought was good. And then like this year, all of a sudden, like people are asking again, you know, they want more video. And I decided that I was going to just go for it, like all the things I do. So this is the year of go for it. And I I started two original series on YouTube. So I think that like what I learned as somebody in like marketing, sure, you can put the same content up, but it's two totally different. It's like cycling and running, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. an endurance athlete. Sure, you can run. Sure, you can cycle. But there's different technical skills and both take time. Yeah.
0: YouTube is really hard. I have had the fortune. So I coach Phil Gaiman. And uh, he's the Strava King. And when he, you know, did his pro thing, uh, he started a YouTube channel. And so I've been fortunate to kind of follow Phil and see how he did it. And, you know, we've we've made many videos together and I know all the, all the tricks. It's just because you know what the tricks are to YouTube doesn't mean they're easy, any easier to do. But you really have to hold the viewer's attention because in YouTube, there's eight other thumbnails you can click. In a podcast, it's kind of a pain to, to, a lot of people like to start and finish. But um, yeah, YouTube, you're really competing for uh, attention and not everyone's gonna give it to you unless you're really delivering right out of the gate. And yeah, so it, it's tough, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, second biggest search engine in the world. Whenever I need to learn something, uh, I go to YouTube to see if someone has made that video.
1: So I started doing gear reviews From my own personal experience, you know, I have like 12 up and then I started doing these like short conversations under five minutes and then I read most content on YouTube is 10 minutes. So now Mm -hmm. I'm like, shit, I have to rename the series (laughs) and do longer (laughs) videos. But I'm my personality on YouTube is something if something is more than 10 minutes, I'm out like it's too long for me. So I'm just talking to people like me that they don't want to watch something for 30 minutes. I don't know. Unless they yeah. want to, that's a commitment.
0: It's a big commitment. It's got to be really good. Uh, yeah, we about five years ago. I record. It's also what we found is if you can be really opinionated yeah. and maybe slightly controversial. Um, we recorded a video. I recorded one. Why sweet spot is better than zone two? And okay. boy, did you that blow of, up! Yeah. Yeah, that's our best video to date. And to be honest, I have not replicated that i need to find another subject that's like that but um yeah we reached a lot of people we got a lot of a lot of views on that one and there's a lot of good youtubers out there in our in our space so yeah
1: i'm um, sure there's a lot of great great content out there so so you're for 2024 you're doing a big push for that as well
0: yeah that's the plan um you know and then you're like okay what resources do we need and yeah honestly it's you just need to carve out the time yeah uh, is what it comes down to first and so we're working on it and we're, we've got like our content calendar and yeah, it's it's going to be a fun year.
1: That's cool. I will have to um, subscribe to your YouTube channel after our conversation and check it out. All right, just dropping in here to give a shout out to AG1. As an athlete and busy founder, I am always on the move, whether I'm training for a race or running to meetings. I was looking for an all-in-one supplement that was easy to add to my daily wellness routine when I discovered AG1. I drink mine while making my coffee in the morning and feeding my dogs. With just one scoop, I get the nutrients and gut health support to thrive throughout my day and cover my nutritional bases. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. If you're a longtime listener, you know I've been drinking AG1 for about two years. I love that every scoop includes adaptogens to balance my body's stress levels, vitamin C and zinc to help support my immune health. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Marnie on the Move. That's drinkag1.com slash Marnie on the Move. Check it out. Now, back to our conversation. Talk to me about, you know, since we're talking about 2024, you have a lot of other exciting things happening, Mm -hmm. like the coalition for 2024 and the athletes that you're working with. So talk to me a little bit about that.
0: So we have uh, what's called the Optimize Collective, and uh, we recognize there are athletes out there that are really good um, maybe a little bit um, what's their underdogs Uh, they may not be winning but we believe in their potential to win and we as coaches want to help them get there and so we have uh, eight athletes are all coached by a fast cat coach and they've demonstrated to us that they have talent they have Uh, potential they're willing to to work hard and we're going to support them with uh free coaching they also get uh, a a subscription to uh, our technology platform optimize okay and yeah they're working closely with their coaches they're everyone's off-season training and working really hard and um most of them are gravel racers to okay to be we have a few road and um Cycle across athletes but gravel is like you know just really kind of taken over and you know um so there's that but yeah the, I'm really excited because one thing that coaches really like is athletes that have a goal mm-hmm. it's a challenging goal and they are working really hard to accomplish that goal like when you're working with an athlete like that that's kind of like the jam it's yeah. like wow I'm going so hard for you because you're out there on your bike training so hard you're sending me your data and we're going to analyze and, 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 and coach you to, to reach your goals so that's one thing I've always enjoyed about um, coaching in general is just like a, a, my job yeah and yeah we're really excited to share that with the the optimized collective athletes
1: and the optimized app talk to me a little bit about that because that's also something very cool mm-hmm. that you offer to your athletes so yeah
0: yeah, so the Optimize app is—it's a mobile app. Uh, it's available in the app and Google Play stores. It is our training platform. We put 20 years of coaching experience into it. And the story behind how we got started with that—really, about five or six years ago, when Whoop got very popular. Yeah, you know the wearable sleep yeah. and HRV.
1: Yeah,
0: athletes. Yes, you it's got yours on. I have it. Yeah. yeah, I love the Whoop. Yeah. Uh, The thing is, athletes started texting us in the morning, Coach, I'm in the red. What do I do? And we would say, Well, how are you feeling? Uh, How was your training yesterday? And we'd look at their training data, we'd look at their training plan, what their workout called for. And I'm not kidding. Like 99 times out of 100, we'd be like, we'd shrug our shoulders and just say, well just keep following the training plan and it'll all be well and you know they would text us later or send their data and yeah. they're like thanks everything was fine and you know so so that started happening and as we were thinking about it we were trying to you know we always under, understand the technology and one of the things that struck me is the way uh, whoop calculates uh, strain uh, okay. for athletes it's a heart rate based metric It's on a logarithmic scale of four to 21. And we were noticing that it wasn't representative of the true athlete's workload. And this is where power-based training and data is superior to heart rate-based training. right? Because with power-based training, we have the opportunity to truly measure the work and the strain that athletes have done and in their bodies are going to be feeling. So for instance, when you go out and do a five-hour ride, you're gonna get a training score uh, representative of not only the duration, five hours, but how hard you rode those five hours. Right, like if
1: it was and zone we two or re- zone three, yeah.
0: Yeah, what we are noticing in WHOOP is it's like you're getting like a 19 or 20. So everyone was like 19 or 20 day after day after day, and it wasn't very representative of their training to recovery balance. So it was my idea in 2021, to combine power data with wearable data and to balance the training to recovery balance. And that's what Optimize is. So we're the first and only uh, platform that combines your wearable data with your power data to help the athlete understand their training to recovery balance. And so we present that daily with the Optimize needle you may have seen. So I'm optimized today, I'm in the green, Um, I got. So the other thing we were noticing you can have a bad night's sleep. You can have a poor HRV and you can go on to have a, just a perfectly fun workout or race. A lot of athletes sleep poorly the night before an event, they're in a new hotel, they're flying late. Right. And uh, a lot of the wearable manufacturers are like, you're not recovered. And that's not psychologically that great to get yeah. the morning when you're all ready to go. And so One of the things about developing your own app is you get to innovate and uh, take a look at the science. And so what we really look at is your HRV trends, not necessarily your single day values. Of course, that's what we display on a daily basis. But we look at like your rolling seven-day HRV average. Are you trending up? Are you trending down? Same way with sleep. Uh, One night of not great sleep won't ruin you. You can still... We were literally just communicating with an athlete yesterday evening who uh, he got a bad night's sleep and he was wondering what workout to do. And yeah, you know, we're just explaining to him, it's okay. You may not feel great, but you're going to be able to have just a you know normal workout. Just go for it. And uh, so that's kind of what we do with Optimize. Um, and yeah, we're really excited about that. We're compatible with Whoop and Aura, Apple Watch right. and Garmin. For wearable data, right, and then we take in all the the power data. So, we created what's called OTS, optimize mm-hmm. training stress, and it's a duration intensity metric that basically, you know, if you go out and do an hour ride, that's really hard. It's going to be about a hundred, but if you do like a four or five hour ride, it's going to be like really high, and you need to recover from that. And so, we help athletes understand how much recovery they need from how much training they've done.
1: So can I, is that like the fatigue score and TSS in training peaks similarly?
0: Yes. Yeah. No, yeah, that's my, yeah. that's
1: what I use date. Like, I mean, cause I've uh-huh. used it for like 10 years. So I'm like the data mm-hmm. in there, but I never, I don't always understand everything, but I just see the, my training score. I just know how I yeah. feel I see my score. I know that if I do long bikes, it gets higher. So when I'm training for mm-hmm. runs, I make sure to get my long rides in so that my fitness yeah. level doesn't get like really low. But because that upsets yeah. me psychologically. And then I'm just, That's right. yeah. So I mean, and I've also seen on my Garmin, like when I go for a run, it says that I'm like recovering after I did a really hard run, or it'll say like it wasn't, op- it'll say something like it's totally negative and I can't remember what it is.
0: We're trying to make data simple and easy to understand so that you don't need a PhD in data science to right. enjoy but there's so your much training data
1: now out there, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I've got the whoop. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm always trying things like for work, mm-hmm. but still, I mean, I am, and I love data, but I also think about how I feel in the scheme of all the data. And sometimes it's like so much, I just, I like just glaze over it. I'm like, it doesn't matter. But the data that I do like is my power. And I do look at my sleep, like I'm obsessed
0: with it. I'm a big fan of sleep. Uh, Yeah. yeah. What we look at is uh, your raw, what I call raw data. So we look at time spent sleeping. The science doesn't really support the accuracy of sleep stages Mm -hmm. uh, too much. And I think a lot of athletes, they get bogged down in that. And it's like, really, what the science supports is how much you're sleeping each night. And so that's the data that we look at. And we help athletes filter out all the noise yeah and say hey you're sleeping 7.3 hours on average a night and last month you averaged 8.2 what's going on and we really help you know can say to athletes why don't you try to go to bed 30 minutes earlier maybe try to get your average up 15 minutes this week Um, and we do that with HRV too a lot of athletes come to as very frustrated with their HRV. It's like this black box. They don't know how to use it. And it's because there's so much noise out there. And we say, okay, let's just start by looking at your seven day trend. Are you, you know, you're trending up, you're trending low. A lot of athletes, a lot of masters athletes don't understand that there's a correlation to age in in HRV. HRV. It gets lower. It's just like, you know, your threshold or max heart rate, it gets lower with age. The other thing that, a lot of athletes don't really uh, understand is a lot of hrv is hydration and it could be some other things but whenever an athlete that's maybe like in their 50s or 60s chronically low hrv we're like okay look let's just have you drink your body weight in water let's start there because your circulatory system the more hydrated it is the easier Mm -hmm. it is for your heart to pump blood all over your body and if you're not hydrated enough, it, it works harder. And then you have lower HRV. And so, yeah. you know, we get athletes who are like, okay, drink your body weight in, As you talk in water. About
1: water. I like drink like probably three yeah. of these a day.
0: Yeah. And then when you when you talk with the athletes, they're like, wow, I was drinking like one glass at dinner and that was it. Maybe my coffee, you know, these, these athletes are like yeah. chronically uh, under- Underhydrated hydrated in getting hydrated, they're like, wow, my HRV is really high. We're like, yes. Yeah. So um, I don't, that was a tangent, but that's no, how but we try true, to- No, but it's true, but it. a
1: lot of people don't understand HRV and they don't know what affects it mm-hmm. and they just like look at it and are like, okay.
0: Yeah. So Optimize really is this platform where we want to suck in all the data and distill it back out to the athlete with actionable insight. Here's how- you can use this data for daily recommendations for your workout today. Should you make any changes? Should you keep following your plan? You know, are you trending up? Are you trending down? And we really try to filter out all the the, the noise, the analysis, the paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Syndrome.
1: You got me, like, looking at my whoop now. And I'm like, I don't even pay attention to it half the time. So it's probably, yeah. I don't even know if it's charged. I was like, what's my strain? Like, it's better for me because I didn't work out today. So. And do anything. Yeah. I'm taking the day off. I haven't
0: worked out yet either today. I need to. Yeah.
1: Like speaking of HRV and optimize and cycling, I um I'm actually not training for any cycling events right now, but I'm sure that won't mm-hmm. be like that for long. Um I'm training for a marathon in the spring. So I've mm-hmm. decided in this time of like not specifically training for anything that involves cycling to focus on running which means that I'm only going to cycle once or twice a week, as opposed to the normal frequency that I ride. The cat is so cute. Is that how you came up with the name fast cat?
0: Fast cat came for two sources that kind of merged, um, long ago when I was mountain biking, some of my friends gave me the nickname of fast Frank. And when I was coming up with, uh, the name for the, the company, it was really popular to name yourself like your last name and then training systems. And, yeah. um, I don't want to do that. And I was looking at branding and I was like, Oh, let's choose a really fast animal. And, you know, a cheetah is the fastest land mammal in the world. And it's a cat. And so I was like, Oh, fast cat, fast, Frank, fast cat. Yeah. That's it. And yeah, we've, yeah, you can see the cheetah um, yep. behind me. So che- cheetah has been our kind of our, um, what's the word, mascot, animal for ever since the, the get-go, so fast cat.
1: Yeah, so I am thinking about doing – so it, de- it really depends on, like, the next month as far as, like, what I'm doing in, in terms of cycling. But I definitely need to plan a century. You know, I my, my triathlon is um, 70.3 typically, so I'll mm-hmm. just, like – you know, I need to get faster this summer. Like, I haven't been serious about it, so I will look to – do uh work on my power this fall this winter at some point uh you know triathlon training is around the corner even though i'm not yeah. officially doing anything i usually start signing up for races yeah
0: you're like a lot of athletes they're like they sign up for the races and it gives them motivation yeah, to train totally and um i have a few recommendations for you oh if really you want to
1: hear yeah them. i'd love to hear them but road okay. road or well gravel is yeah. also welcome yeah
0: well, that's the thing, like here in December and January in the off season, road gravel training is mostly the same. It's just endurance space. You know, you can, yeah. you can do some weightlifting, but it's like base training. It's like just trying to ride, um, low, low intensity. You can do zone two sweet spot is really great to help you get uh, more bang for your buck in the right. limited time you have. You can do a lot of sweet spot work on the erg mode on various training platforms especially indoors because riding zone two indoors is really boring and you can be more productive of that with, yeah with sweet- I
1: sometimes tend to delete those kind of rides in the winter yeah. like only, I only do like intervals on on Swift uh-huh. like I won't do a lot or power but not I mean unless I had a hard run the day before then I'll like maybe do zone two but anyway mm-hmm. I interrupted you sorry <laughs> yeah the, so sweet- the other fun. thing
0: we tell athletes we have this uh, this feature in Optimize, it's called uh, your consistency calendar. You may be able to see it right here. Okay. But when you when you work out, you get a green. And so what we try to help athletes do is one thing every day that helps them get towards their goal, whether it's a run or a rod. doesn't matter if it's long or short. The fact that you just got on your bike or you went out for a run, you are consistent. And the thing that we like – to tell athletes is if you're consistent over time, you're going to improve and get to your goal. We talk to a lot of athletes. They just haven't gotten their motivation. They're just waiting. They're working a lot or or something. We're like, well, you know, start somewhere and, and then just build, build from there, but be consistent. And I think that is the secret to having fun, you know, making a like, you know, improving long-term.
1: I think that I have learned that over the years the hard way and, and actually doing it. So what I find, you know, now I'm training for the running events. So I'm doing little runs every day, like nothing major, just like five miles, three miles, five miles, three miles. Like, and then I'll do my long run on the weekend. And the runs are all different. Like some are easy, some are intervals. And I feel like the fact that I don't have to think about it, right, because I'm always I also am self-coaching, so I don't always listen to myself. I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir uh, and all my listeners, but I just, if I just like follow a plan and don't ask questions and just do it, I am more successful. But yeah, you're right. (laughs) That's the moral of the story. Yeah.
0: You're saying all the things that our athletes have said over the years. We have a saying that if you can follow a plan, you can ride faster. And the, the thing about committing to following a plan is you don't have to think about it. All yeah. you have to do is just carve out the time. We, we, we try to make it really easy. And the other thing that athletes report back is that they know what, when to rest, when to take their rest days. They know when to go hard or go easy, when to ride long or or short. And they they get back to like the joy of cycling as opposed to trying to figure out yeah. what to do and overdoing it and taking a, you know, But we have, we, the way we design our training plans, we call it a working person's training plan design. We used to call it working man's. Okay. But that's not as easy. Working man and woman's training plan design. Yeah. But the way it works is it's designed for the athletes that we assume you're, you have a job Monday through Friday. You have a a mortgage. You may have a a spouse, a family, a relationship. And uh, so you have other things going on in your life. And so- We do Mondays and Fridays are rest days. And uh, then Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays are short structure workouts. Okay. And then we assume you don't work on Saturdays. So that's where you can do your longer ride, maybe a group ride or group training. Yeah. And then you, maybe if you have time on Sunday, you do some endurance. And that's how we design training. So Monday, Fridays off, that's when we prescribe like yoga yeah. or uh, recovery modalities. And then generally the hard workouts are Tuesdays and Wednesdays. They get easier throughout the week and try to ride long on the weekend. We've, we've, it's like for the everyday athlete, the recreational athlete that just, you know, is doing a Fondo or a century or like a marathon or 5k. Yeah. It works really well. Um, And as long as you just stay consistent.
1: I think that's the secret to success in all things, right? Like whether you're yeah. posting a video on YouTube or doing a podcast or training for a race. We talked about, you know, your plans for 2024, but are you doing it? Do you yourself have any races or events that you're participating in for 2024?
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you for asking. I am doing the Steamboat Gravel okay. uh, next August. I've done it every year. like a it's a really big national race but it's in our backyard so uh, we make a big deal out of that um i we're we're partnered with the belgian waffle ride they have another gravel series and last year i went to the belgian waffle ride in arizona scottsdale i'll probably do that again and i i would like to do one or two more this past year i worked a lot yeah the year before i worked even more and so this year 2023, I was like, okay, I just want to be consistent. That's like, let's just try to ride an hour a day. Like, Cause I, when I race professionally, I was always out like two, three, four, five or five hours. Right. And I got into kind of a rut where I was really hard on myself for not doing long rides. And so I kind of tried to turn it around and say, let's just get on your bike five times a week and yeah. be consistent. And that's what I did this year. And I'm going to just try to build upon that for, for next year for cool. Steamboat, one of the BWRs. I like to do group rides. Yeah. Um, they're kind of my social outlet. And, uh, you know, most people like to, you know, what's fun about a group ride is being able to kind of mix it up. So the group rides are kind of also a competitive outlet to, to have fun. So I do like to prepare for my group rides in yeah. the summer.
1: I wish I had like a group in New York. I'm, I've, I'm, I always say I want to do this every summer, but like get in with a group and ride. I just don't wake up at 5 a.m. to ride and like a lot of people do. So
0: yeah. you know, I
1: like to leave yeah. here at nine. <laughs> so it's like nobody rides with me. I'm just I see people yeah. on the road, but I want what were you gonna suggest for me? You had did you have some rides you were gonna suggest?
0: Yeah, so I think so. Now that you have committed to being consistent, yeah. uh what I would also encourage you to do, even if this is for your run training, is find a plan. Uh, and you can even make it one of your own, or you can start with like one of ours or maybe another, like do a run thing, like a run training plan. Yeah. So the thing about a a training plan is it helps you a, be consistent. And then you, then you have something you can work towards most, all training plans are going to work. And so you could do, I do recommend sweet spot. It is a wonderful training methodology for us older athletes that don't have much time to train you can accomplish an enormous amount in 45 to 60 minutes a day, four to five times a week.
1: Okay. And
0: so Zwift or whatever your do favorite sweet, platform yeah. is. Yeah, get on there and in and, and sweet spot, do some, stay consistent, have fun too. That's the other thing. Um, find the kind of training you like that's fun. Okay. Also, like you mentioned, um, you wish you had a, a like a group to train with, the groups are kind of like a holy grail. We, we help our athletes find group training, group rides because it's such good training because it does hold you accountable. You got to show up and you get out there and you generally accomplish a lot. So my one maybe challenge to you is find a, look for a group. Maybe you could find a group. It's, It's never too late. So
1: yeah. I'm always looking, but I'm not super fast. I ride with a lot of guys, and I always mm-hmm. get dropped, and that's cool. You know, I'm not in a peloton or anything because I'm just riding. Like, I'm not – I don't have, like, a big goal. I'm not racing anyone. Like, I'm not doing mm-hmm. anything. I'm just getting in my endurance, like, zone one, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But then I have a friend who's, like, a professional master's athlete. Her name is Anne Marie Miller. When I ride with her, I can stay at 18 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. which is like, you know, and she's, that's her like zone one pace kind of thing. But, you know, like, so I have, I know that I have the potential and it's the same thing with running that I see that like, I know that I can go harder, but by myself, I don't push myself and I'm happy to do that. But whenever Mm -hmm. I'm with other people, I am competitive. So it's hard to find anyone really that's like in that sort of like, it's almost like it's not beginner but it's not advanced pace. Do you know right. what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, finding that right group is sometimes it's like the Holy grail because it is, it can be very difficult. The two suggestions that, that came to mind while I was listening to you is, uh, well, obviously keep searching for the, you know, the right group and also the right training partners like the Anna Marie. Yeah. That you she's just amazing. Discuss. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. Do that as much as possible. Nowadays, the two additional things I have is, um, so Zwift has like, it's practically group ride on demand and yeah. it's virtual, but if you do find the right group and you want to figure out what per kilogram, and that helps you find other riders that are on your level and then you can ride.
1: I haven't been like seriously training for anything. So it hasn't been like mm-hmm. a top priority.
0: A good training partner, even a training yeah. group. I think that's your, that's, could, that could be like your secret to your successful 2024. It, 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 there's so much accountability and benefit from it because it's fun and it's social and it's also like we tell athletes it's like if you find that training partner is doing the same event as you it's like group training you you both can train to, together for it and it really makes it because cycling and just training in general can be lone, a lonely endeavor yeah. if you're out there by yourself yeah, yeah.
1: i do a but lot like, of thinking but yeah but I do think, yeah. you know, on Swift, you're right. Like I should dial into that. You know, I'm I'm always on Swift. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. using it as like a sort of like, you know, last resort if I can't get outside. And it's you know mm-hmm. January almost in New York, and it's going to be 30 degrees, so I might not be going yeah. outside. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the groups? There's so many groups.
0: Oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. That yeah. what I would do is, uh, if just, there's a lot of social now social features of Swift. Yeah. Same thing with Peloton, you know, nothing wrong with the Peloton class. Like that's kind of their jam and yeah. it's like group training on, on demand, but get the, uh, the Zwift companion app, I think. Uh, and what you can do on the Zwift companion app, you pull it up, you go to uh, events okay, and look, there's one in one minute. Oh my and God. there's another one in six minutes. And it, it's like group out on demand and a lot of it's, you know A B C D and E. You find the watt per kilogram that that works. There's a, probably a lot of other um, cyclists that you know. You mentioned you were 120. You know, there's you're not the you're not the only one out there like that. And you just want to find them, and Zwift will help you get in that that right group. Yeah, that's that's my that's what I would recommend for, for Zwift. This is tough. It does help to have a training plan that says do this and then Zwept is your resource yeah. to help you help you do what the, the plan says.
1: You've inspired me. So,
0: right, Well, are you on Strava? I will give you a Yeah, don't go on Strava. Your, uh, yeah, I
1: go on Strava. Yes, I'm on Strava. I kind of awesome. like got annoyed with it at one point and shut it down, but I'm back on. I'm just in the weeds over here like doing my thing and then I like – get like bombarded by social media it's Mm -hmm. just like a real fact of life if you're a business owner and so Mm -hmm. so i had to go off of strava i don't really upload my workout like the other day i came back from a run and i forgot to turn my watch off and i was like standing in my kitchen so it logged seven miles in like Uh, an hour and i'm like what that's like not even true and then i have to write it you can't change it people are like oh that's so great and i'm like i don't run a 13 mile an hour like i'm not that slow like <laughs> you know yeah. so that's annoying but yeah
0: yeah strava is an interesting beast um
1: but yeah i'm on it
0: <laughs> yeah okay i'm gonna follow you i'm gonna give you a kudo for your next swift group ride
1: all right cool well this is super awesome frank i'm so psyched that we got to connect on the podcast today
0: yeah thank you so much for having
1: me thanks again for tuning into marnie on the move if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at MarnieOnTheMove on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, Marnieonthemove.com. for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals,